What is up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Hope everybody is having a fantastic weekend so far. Um, we are, and my gosh, I'm just enjoying the heck out of this weather. It is like a cool front has come through, and I think this next week we're going to be uh, hitting the 90s or something so <laughs> summer feels like it's just around the corner we don't really get a whole lot of spring here uh in texas but anyways uh yeah a lot of fun things have happened recently uh so first of all i was uh, interviewed in a few spots by uh, dr james beckett and uh, if you want to check out his uh podcast it is called sports card insights with dr james beckett and uh, I think my episode with him dropped uh, probably about three or four days ago. And uh, we actually did two spots. So another one will drop probably in the next week or two, I guess. Uh, and hopefully down the road we'll be able to do a number of others. So uh, stay tuned to his podcast. He has a fantastic podcast over there every single day uh, except for holidays and Sundays, I think. They're short 15-minute uh, deals, so they're very uh, very quick and very entertaining. So, Rich Klein is on it a lot as well, and uh, so he's a guy over there at ComC. He's, you know, known uh, Dr. Beckett for decades. They're really, really uh, good friends, and uh, Rich is actually his friend of mine, too, and uh, he actually... Uh, wrote articles and I uh, did some other things in the uh, Beckett magazine when I was growing up. So very, very cool, very insightful whenever uh, Rich joins the show as well. And you'll also see a number of, uh, or hear a number of faces that pop in uh, from time to time that you've probably heard of uh, online through the other uh, podcasters out there. So yeah, check it out. Great stuff. And always, I would, uh, as always, I would appreciate you uh, checking out mine uh, as well. Now, unfortunately, I have absolutely no rhyme or reason to mine. I talk about all kinds of, uh, crazy things. Sometimes they're 20 minutes, sometimes they're an hour and 20 minutes. And sometimes it's one a week. Sometimes it's one, three weeks. Sometimes it's uh, three in one week. So <laughs> that's just how I, uh, <laughs> I do it every time I anytime I can, I guess, you know, so, uh, not getting, <laughs> not getting paid or anything for this. So it's, uh, it's just something I love doing to be able to, talk and build up some sort of like a library, I guess, for everybody to listen to. So, um, uh, as far as pickups, uh, I was able to, uh, land a card that was a really, really nice one. And I've been on the fence, uh, for, uh, a number of months on it. Wasn't sure if I wanted to, uh, try to find it because it's been, uh, fairly hot. Um, but, I was able to do a deal with a friend, and it worked out. So, um, apologize for the sound in the background. That is uh, traffic, and that's what happens when I do these talks here. I am on my uh, nightly walk through the neighborhood, and that's just what happens. So, uh, the card that I picked up is a T206 white border tie cob green background. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've kind of had like this internal struggle of what the, what my favorite T206 Cobb is. Uh, you know, there's, and for those of you who do not know 
what there is, I'll, I'll give you kind of a, a, a an overview of all of them that are out there and kind of give you a little bit of a, I guess a bit of a label of each one of them as well. So there's four of them. One of them is the Bat-On, and the Bat-On uh, is one of the rarer ones, and it has Ty Cobb with uh, you know his, the bat on his shoulder. The other one is the Bat-Off, and it's probably in the running is like the most beautiful T206 card uh, in the set because uh, it, he, you see Ty Cobb holding a bat, and it's off his shoulder, and he's just looking off into the distance as if he's uh, you know, really, really thinking hard about the game. It embodies who Ty Cobb is, I think, uh, or who he was. Uh, he was very, very much so uh, uh, a student. Uh, I, I want to say student of the game, but probably uh, more so just like a hardcore practitioner of anything that he could do uh, to make advancements. There have been a lot of people that talked about Cobb as somebody that wasn't really uh, an outstanding physical specimen, but he was very intelligent, um, very uh, gritty, and he did everything he could. Like, you get the sense that Ty Cobb was a guy, uh, probably should do a podcast episode of just talking about Ty Cobb, but anyways... Uh, he was the guy that would do anything and everything possible to win. And, uh, for example, he would, uh, <laughs> the, the bases weren't like anchored down like they are now. So if he'd slide into a base, he would try to move it an inch or two closer to the next base. Like he would, you know, do everything he could possible. So the bat off card, like you look at his face and you see that he's calculating something. And it's really great. Now, the thing that makes it the most beautiful one, though, uh, in my opinion, uh, or quite possibly the most beautiful, is the background. Like, there's just a use of, uh, you know, wonderful colors that are uh, specific to uh, that, or they're true to that time period. And, uh, you know, gosh, I just, I love the usage of colors. So, um, I had one of those. I sold it. I think it's probably like it didn't really click with me as much in hand uh, as it did online. Mainly, probably because it it might have been a little faded. Perhaps I'm not really sure exactly why it didn't really like click with me when I was in hand. Um, but you know, so I think I would like to get one again. Another point, but I think I really got to be careful with the. Uh, the, my selection of it, I want to make sure that I have the one that's, uh, you know, one that has uh, uh, the colors like really, really popping. So, uh, another one is the red background, Ty Cobb portrait, and it shows a young Ty Cobb, uh, presumably from a, a Carl Horner uh, portrait photograph. Um, I, I believe it's Carl Horner. Uh, that's who took the photograph of uh, Hans Wagner. Uh, for his T206, and uh, it's got a red background. That one is uh, very, very, very popular. I think it's also the most plentiful by a long shot, which makes sense why it would be the most popular. Now, the most elusive one, the one that everybody wants, the last one is the portrait green background. And uh, guys, like, <laughs> finally got one, and I was talking to a buddy 
about it who had it and I made an offer didn't get it done I've uh, swung and missed on three others and they were uh, two of the three were altered and uh, the other one was one and uh, yeah I think like I've I've been in the works of trying to make a deal with not just three of them I guess it's probably more like five or six um, when all said and done uh, <laughs> and I finally was able to land one and my gosh, it is uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful card. The the green background is just striking. Um, the portrait, the registration is just spot on. Uh, you know, the centering is great. There's a there are a few spots on the front that are very unobtrusive, and the back has a tiny rip, and that's exactly what I look for uh, in cards like this. So what I did was I took that card. And I put it up next to my E90-2 on this Wagner with the uh, the candy Wagner, the one with the blue background. And I've dreamt for months <laughs> about putting those two together. And, you know, gosh, guys, like, it is not a disappointment. Like, those two together look fantastic together. I was thinking about putting an E90-1 Cy Young uh, with them as well. It's a portrait uh, candy card with a red background. I just thought that would look real nice too. Um, so, anyways, that's kind of what, what's been uh, happening uh, this last week. So, you know, and also I got something else, which I'll probably talk about later. But um, uh, that's kind of the main thing. So, uh, what I do want to talk about tonight um, is uh, the, the question, do you have something... Uh, like, I don't even know really how to phrase this because <laughs> it's just been kind of brewing in my head this evening. Um, but like, uh, you know, what in your collection would you be okay with selling if the price was right? Do you have things in your collection that they're just completely off limits no matter what, no matter the price? I mean, if that's the case, you know, then, you know, hey, you know, kudos to you that you have something that's uh, that amazing. But also, by the same token, I want you to think about that and think, is it really something that you couldn't part with? Is it just completely like irreplaceable or is it just something that you like so much that you just don't want to get rid of? And so that's kind of what's been going on in my head. I'll tell you what I've been up to um, the last few days. So as you've heard probably on my podcast, my articles and you know everywhere else I've been writing, uh, I was able to uh, trade my Mike Trout uh, diamond PSA 10 rookie for uh uh, plus cash for my 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle. And guys, like the Mickey Mantle, it's graded in SGC1, but oh, <laughs> it is a beautiful card. Now, so the one thing that I love, just like I was talking about the green, uh, the green background uh, cob, uh, I want them to be uh, lower numerical grades, but I want them to have very high eye appeal, which is exactly what the Mantle is. So when I show people, the first thing I say is like, how on earth is that just a one? And that's exactly how I want people to respond <laughs> when I have cards like this. And I think that's just uh, how it goes with, uh, with anyone that has lower grade cards. So very happy with it. Very, very happy with it. But um, I, I started thinking a little bit yesterday. So, huh, well, <laughs> you know, the, the, the hobby has been kind of like super hot recently. And so I started thinking, what if I were to put it up for sale on eBay? 
So I put it up for sale on eBay yesterday and with the buy it now best offer. Uh, you know, a little higher than I was, I would expect to, you know, anybody come at me uh, and, you know, just hit the buy it now. And I did that with a few other cards as well. That I really just wouldn't want to sell. But I take this stance of basically everything has a price. Um, so if somebody's willing to pay my price, then I'd be willing to sell. And uh, for me, the excitement is uh, being able to go back out and, you know, go treasure hunting again. And see what else is out there. So, um, <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of how I've uh, done things. And it's worked out great for me. I've really loved it. Now, sometimes um, it doesn't work out so well. For instance, when, let's say, I have a certain PSA 10 1989 Upper Deck Carefee Jr. Uh, <laughs> that I sell uh, for around the $500 mark. And... Uh, it all of a sudden jumps to $1,600. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that kind of burns, you know, that's not fun uh, to see. Um, and which, by the way, guys, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> uh, I think last time we spoke, uh, I was uh, I was talking about how my jaw just dropped because the the Griffey was going for a thousand dollars, and uh, well, guess what. <laughs> Guys, in spite of the the PSA, PWCC, you know, trimming, whatever, grading, whatever you want to call it, scandal, in spite of uh, our economy being like in a huge downturn, apparently, in spite of all this unemployment, in spite of uh, this massive epidemic that's quarantined all of us at home and everything, uh, these cards are skyrocketing. And I think they've come down a little bit since then uh but like the records have been hitting around sixteen hundred dollars uh which is like absolutely bananas because uh <laughs> this gain of you know a thousand dollars has been uh in in the course of uh of like a month or something which is just insane to me and i'm so uh glad happy excited for the people i actually have one uh, because it's fun. It's neat. You know, it's, it's a really, it's a rare occurrence. Um, and, uh, you know, but I would just be a lot happier if I still had mine. <laughs> but by that same token, I wouldn't have gotten the stuff that I have now, which I'm much more happier with. So you can't win them all. But another one is the, the Tox Chrome LeBron James rookie. Gary V has been talking about that quite a bit. And uh, I remember last year, he was talking about, yeah, you guys, you got to pick it up. Like, it's $1,000, PSA 10, grab one. And I never did because basketball is not really my thing. But I've always thought about, like, oh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And months later, it's at 2500 Like, oh, my gosh. If I got three of them, my 3000 would have been worth 7500 at that point. Yeah, well, okay, it's okay. You just, you know, shrug your shoulders, move on. What can you do, right? Well, uh, <laughs> I checked the price uh, yesterday, I think it is. They're going for between six dollars and $7,000 now. So, uh, yeah, a little bit bummed that I didn't uh, catch, that, uh, catch that train. Uh, <laughs> that's insanity to me. I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine, but... Michael Jordan's 
all seem to be taken off even further now. Uh, I mean, there's just so much stuff out there that's doing really well. Even um, the FASC wax boxes. Uh, the FASC, by the way, again, means from a sealed case. A lot of those are starting to take off now, too. Um, the uh, A9 upper decks, for instance, they were uh, um, climbing a little bit, and I think they were going for around 300 Now they're in the six to $700 range, um, which is understandable. Uh, but, yeah, prices are nuts, and I'm very curious to see where we're going to end up. So, anyways, in, in light of all of this craziness going on, in the hobby, like <laughs> these wild bananas, like prices, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's probably a good idea for me to list even some of my favorites just to see if I can get some bites. Now I'm not doing that to, you know, my one of one Consecos or anything that I love and would not be able to get back because they're one of ones. Um, those are sticking with me. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, you know, 52 mantle, uh, Cracker Jack Shields, Joe Jackson, uh, the E9-2, uh, Wagner, even the uh, old Judge King Kelly portrait. I put those up just to see what happens. And I've, I've uh, come to find out one thing that's been true for me in this hobby is when you put things like this out there, uh, that's when some exciting things can happen. Not that they will necessarily, but it's been my philosophy to uh, always have something big going. Always have the possibility of something massive happen. So whether that means that someone hits the buy it now on my you know, higher end price on the mantle, or somebody comes to me and offers me a you know, really intriguing trade, you know, I don't know. But without me putting it out there, it's not going to happen. Now, uh, I think it was funny. I, was there, I went to uh, the Collector's Universe Forum. That's, uh, I think PSA owns that board. And uh, so uh, some people came back on my thread whenever I talked about how I traded the mantle, uh, the trout for the mantle. And people came on and were like, uh, whoa, he's putting it up for sale already. And I get the feeling that people think that it was like a... Uh, a marketing ploy <laughs> of me pumping up a card before I actually, uh, you know, uh, put up for sale or anything. And yeah, I went on there and just assured everybody, look, that's not the case. And yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I do try to market the crap out of stuff that I do, uh, put for sale. Um, but no, that's <laughs> when I do. So I, I try to do it genuinely and you know, that would be very, uh, disingenuous of me to, uh, post something up there like that and then say, oh, by the way, I'm selling, you know, but thing is, is I literally didn't have a thought in my head to sell until yesterday. So, uh, but it was interesting. It was, it was interesting to see people's, uh, reactions. And I already had a good conversation with somebody who was interested in the mantle and, uh, he offered up a, a, a couple of things, which was interesting that one of them was, uh, an amazing fantasies, uh, 15, and Amazing Fantasy 15 uh, comic, Grey by CGC. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a Holy Grail comic book for many, and the reason why is because it's Spider-Man's first appearance. 
And that's really kind of what I love about this stuff, guys. Like, if I didn't put the mantle up for sale, uh, I wouldn't have had that opportunity of, uh, of looking at that. Now, <laughs> do I want a first appearance of, uh, of Spider-Man uh, over a mantle? No, I don't. But uh, if I'm being completely honest, i got to tell you something. It's, it's fun to think that uh, this is in that realm. Now, we all think of the, uh, the, the mantle as being like the card and everything, right? So, uh, and it is in many respects. But to think that it could be crossed over to the biggest thing in comic books, you know, for example, that's kind of fun. You know, it's just a fun thing to think about. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing I love about like this hobby in general is that we're able to, uh, take a look at, uh, what we can do in terms of trading. And, uh, <laughs> it's just so neat. I just, I just love this hobby. And, uh, so anyways, that was kind of my, uh, uh, little rabbit trail, I guess you could say for the week. So the question I have for you, uh, like I was talking about earlier is, uh, you know, what does your collection look like? What if, what would you do, uh, if you could put up your stuff for sale and, uh, sell them, even the things that you really love, but you know, you can get back like, and you know, let me, <laughs> let me be clear here. I'm not encouraging you to, uh, you know, put, uh, put for sale something that's like an heirloom or something that's been, uh, passed down from generation to generation, like a Ty Cobb or something like that. Um, I'm talking about cards that can be replaced and that you won't lose sleep over that leave. Um, you know, given the knowledge that, you know, you probably could pick it up again. So, and really guys, I mean, like if, uh, selling out of my Conseco stuff, uh, was, uh, if there's any lesson that was to be learned for me anyway, is, uh, you know, you certainly will be able to have a shot at possibly getting back some of the stuff, you know, not necessarily all that. I think, I think some of my, uh, cards I sold are gone forever, uh, which is fine. You know, that's, that's part of it. And, uh, but you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, let's, uh, say for example, uh, my, you know, 98 crusade executive prototype, um, you know, that's not a card that I would want to sell because, you know, it might be the only executive prototype green crusade that we'll ever see of Kinsego. So, that card doesn't make sense for me to sell, even put up for sale. I mean, look, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but if it comes to like a mantle, there's, you know, I think the PSA pop report shows like there's 1800 of them. So it, with as unattainable as that card feels, uh, to a lot of people, they're all over the place, not all over the place, but they're, <laughs> but compared to like a one of one or something or a card out of five. So uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm basing, uh, you know, kind of what I've done over the past day or two on is that, you know, yeah, uh, Cracker Jack, Shoeless Joe Jackson. I love it. Love it so much. But, um, if I can get a decent price out of it, um, I can always look for another one. And the fun for me is actually looking, you know, is, is the hunt, you know, seeing what else is out there. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing because I think it's, uh, 
I think it's something that you need to be disciplined in, to be honest with you. I think it's something that, you know, when it comes to hunting for cards, for giving up something you truly love, uh, you can take that hunt one of two ways. One, you can either feel it as a uh, burning sensation that's very... Uh, uneasy feeling that's very anxiety driven something that oh man I don't know if I'll ever be able to find one again oh for especially for that price and everything so that's obviously why if you sell you gotta make sure you get the price that you want out of it but uh, the other way you could go with it is you could say all right this is this is what it's about this is the game this is the excitement the excitement in the hunt is the thrill of the hunt being able to look for it out there and seeing what you can uncover. And, uh, and that's kind of where it is for me, guys. Like, uh, with as much as I love the cards that I've been able to uh, capture, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, <laughs> it's fun to always have something out there. Even, even if the cards don't move, it's fun to know that, there's, that they're out there to be receptive of other potential deals. And, uh, you know, another thing is, I mean, look, there's a guy on one of the forums that said, you know, I don't understand, you know, Tanner, why didn't she just buy the mantle and keep the trout? Well, you know, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I was actively looking to get rid of the trout because it just doesn't really match what I was trying to do. Like at the time it was a, you know, $7,000 card and I don't want to uh, have $7,000 wrapped up into it. I wanted that money to go uh, to some stuff that I really loved. The trout was simply not one of them. Um, the other thing is, you know, look, I'm just not independently wealthy. Like, I don't have, like, all kinds of money. Like, all of the money that I spend on the hobby has come from the hobby over the past 15 years or so. You know, so, um, you know, it's not a matter of, uh, of me just having all kinds of cash that I can throw it it's anything it's like uh you know for instance this uh this green background cob portrait that i got the t206 um you know would i've gotten it had i not done a massive sell-off a couple months ago no i probably wouldn't have because i was uh, i was pretty much done <coughs> excuse me um yeah i was pretty much done with buying uh at that at that time and so when that happens things get stagnant for me and it's not fun anymore, really. It's fun to be able to look at the cards and stuff, but, eh, you know, it's just more fun to be actively looking. It just is. <laughs> it just is, guys. And so uh, I've, I've kind of assembled uh, pretty darn close to a Dream Team run of cards, of vintage cards. And I still got a few others I want to pick up, but, you know, it's fun. It really is. It's it's very enjoyable to be able to look at them and you know scan them, take pictures, and I guess you know for lack of better words, play with my baseball cards, you know, <laughs> and uh, and really just enjoy them. But uh, you know, at the same time, uh, there's just something about looking. You know, there just really is, which I think is why I've been buying and selling collections for the past 15 years or so as well. Uh, not because it's like the best use of my time from a financial perspective, but because I genuinely love, uh, going through monster boxes of cards 
in spite of, you know, 95% of them being just commons, there's always gems out there to be found. And I just love that stuff, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of, uh, kind of where I'm at. And, uh, I'm very, very happy, very pleased. It's funny how, uh, how quickly things have, uh, have progressed for me in the collecting world, the collecting realm over the past several years. Um, you know, the Kinseiko collection was something I loved. It was fun to know that I had like the, uh, you know, world's most well-known and biggest unique Kinseiko card collection in the world. Uh, a few feet from my fingers at any given point. Uh, it was fun to have the recognition that came along with it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's definitely some, uh, uh, you know, some melancholy that would go with along with uh, selling them. But assembling something, a smaller collection, but much more meaningful, uh, was just an incredible high. Like, just, <laughs> just amazing. And the same thing... Uh, kind of happened with the uh with the vintage stuff like I got a bunch of vintage stuff after that and you know for you know it took me a year to go through and then as I've told you before several times now um I sold it all and you know there's a little bit of melancholy that came with that also uh it's never fun to see a you know 52 mantle or 54 Aaron or you know 51 maze leave your collection but when it did that opened up all kinds of avenues to kind of do the same thing that I did with the Kinsecos was to, number one, evaluate what I really loved, which I was able to do, by the way, because I already had the other cards before. Um, and what that meant, like from a working example, um, you know, T206 Cy Young, for instance, um, that's a card that, you know, I loved a lot more in my head than I did in my collection. I'm a big Cy Young fan. I love Cy Young. But, you know, the T206s that I had at least just weren't really doing it for me. And I don't think I would have been able to have known that had I not had them already and then sold them. So, um, chiseling like that was a big thing for me uh, to be able to uh, sell everything off and buy back the things I wanted. Um, the Allen and Ginter set is another thing. I had it. I loved it. I sold it anyways, and I loved it. Found out that I loved it so much that I wanted to get it back, so I did. You know, that's uh, that's uh, there's something powerful about getting rid of things and and bringing them back, whether they're the same cards or not, because you have a different perspective, you have different appreciation, a greater appreciation for things that you really like, and uh, you know the same again goes for uh, different condition cards. I'm a big fan of low-grade vintage. Um, the uh, 52 Mantle, for instance, uh, the last one I had was, or the previous one I had was a uh, PSA-graded authentic altered. It had some wrinkles on the front and had a you know ink spot on the front, and you know it was fine. It was a good card. I mean, gosh, I mean it, it was very presentable. You you'd love to be able to look at it, but there's always something where I looked at it just always would see the spot or the wrinkles or whatever. And I mean, look, to be honest with you, without that spot and those wrinkles, I wouldn't have had it to begin with. <laughs> but to know that it was a stepping stone to the one that I have now is fantastic because the one that I have now is 
something that is just, you know, incredible to look at. It's just a beautiful, beautiful card. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, as you have these cards in your collection, and this is kind of what I've been preaching to you for months now, is, um, you know, look at what you want uh, to buy and buy what you want given the price is right. So that way you can make your judgment on cards in hand, but give yourself some room to be able to sell back, to be able to make all your money back, and hopefully a little bit more. You know, that's the way you do it. Now, of course, it requires two things. It requires education, so educate yourself on pricing. And number two, it requires patience. And guys, I'm serious, patience. You know, you don't just uh, jump the gun the first time you see a card that you like and and buy it. Don't do that. You know, it's uh, you got to be very calculated with it. Um, so, <laughs> granted, I <laughs> I wish I'm perfect in that, but I just love this stuff so much. I don't. You know, I <laughs> I sometimes do buy with my heart instead of with my head. But um, you know, in a perfect world, we will buy with our heads, and uh, you know, we'll be able to take a look at cards in our hands and then determine what we really love and what we don't. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, it's fun because it's like after each iteration of these collections uh, that I'm assembling and then selling off or whatever, it seems like it's getting better and better and better. And with that, it's getting more uh, enjoyable, more satisfying, which is fun also. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my approach. I know there's a lot of people out there that have a wildly different approach than I do. That's fine. There's no you know, right or wrong way for collecting. Um, it's, there are people out there that, you know, they just simply couldn't imagine selling anything or they just don't have time. And guess what guys, that's not a wrong way to collect because, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of you out there that have, you know, boxes and boxes of like 2011 tops update. And you, know, you might have two, three, four, five, uh, Mike Trout rookies sitting in your, in your closet without even knowing it now. And those cards in PSA 10 are going for like $1,700, $1,800 each. Um, so, you know, far be it for me to tell people to uh, um, change their method of collecting. Uh, however, um, this whole, the whole reason for this entire podcast is just to kind of give you an idea of how I've done it and, you know, consider it, you know, consider doing it that way. Maybe you'll get more joy out of it that way. I, I certainly don't have boxes and boxes of, uh, of cards sitting in my closet. Um, the only boxes I have are unopened. I think I've got like 34 unopened boxes, so it's not like uh, you know, a massive amount. In fact, I'm actually uh, talking to somebody who might be buying them. Uh, there's a couple of people that I'm actually talking to. So, uh, you know, I, I really don't have a whole lot, but what I do have, I just really love. Um, so yeah, you know, think about that. So as I, as I wrap up just one more time, you know, think about what you could live without and imagine, uh, perhaps for, you know, for the day, just, uh, you know, think about your favorite cards or the, the highest valued cards, what you would do, uh, if you could put them up for sale and if somebody, uh, you know, were to, uh, purchase them for the price that you want, what would you do with that money? You know, what would you end up picking up? Um, now, if you don't like to hunt, then obviously don't do this. Because again, like I said before, the hunt can sometimes 
uh, drive people to anxiety, and we certainly don't want that in the hobby. Um, you know, I want you to feel excited and you know satisfied as you're collecting. I don't want you to you know lose sleep over uh, you know uh, biting your nails, wondering if you're gonna you know find a card that you that you want or anything like that. But, um, uh, but anyways, hopefully it'll just uh, shed another you know different light on collecting and see what you uh, see what you think and maybe you don't do that with the cards that you love the most maybe it's the second tier cards in your collection um you know i know we all have those i've got a a, a binder i think of cards that i've been looking at to possibly sell and because uh, i mean you know I, I enjoy them i really do but like you know do i do they really really make me drool like you know that's kind of the question so Anyways, that's all I have for you tonight, guys. Um, I'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts are. So feel free to uh, reach out and uh, give me your thoughts. I'd love to hear your style of collecting as well. Um, if you sell, if you don't, um, why or why not? You know, it's, it's all fun. It's part of the uh, enjoyment of this hobby is, is our community and being able to converse with each other. So uh, anyways, I will leave you with that and... Uh, Thank you again for listening. As always, I hope you all have a great evening.